Welcome to the latest podcast from Greyfriars Church in Reading. Our vision is to see Reading transformed by the love and power of Jesus. You can find out more on our website, greyfriars.org.uk. Enjoy. Hi. I'm Chris. Um, if we haven't met, I'm the new curate here at Greyfriars. It's been fantastic uh, having been nearly three months here, which is uh, amazing to have uh, joined this community and worshipped along with you. Um, I am here to talk to you about an aspect um, of calling um, as followers of Jesus. I'm here to talk, talk to you today about how we are called to listen. Now, I, um, listening has not always been my, my strong suit in life. Uh, there have been many times where I've learned the lesson of not listening the hard way. And if you would just bear with me, I'll give you three examples of how this has affected my life. My first story is that uh, the first week of reception, so the very first part of my educational career, um, I was told that I needed to spell my name the longer way. Up until this point in my life, I'd just been known as Chris. Why would you bother uh, spelling your name any other way? My full name is Christopher, and the teacher clearly wanted me to expand my knowledge. Um, and so I decided to kind of find a way of kind of taking what she was saying, but also not too literally. Um, and so my mum was actually called in later that same week. Uh, and they, she said, my teacher said to my mum, Mrs. Hall, uh, your son is now referring to himself as Christ. Um, <laughs> I don't, I think you might be getting ahead of himself. Uh, he knew that adding a single letter wasn't sufficiently long. The second uh, story of me not listening properly is uh, when I was in university, I went back um, on holiday, um, and for some unknown reason, I was bored and wanted to go for a drive. I don't know what an 18, 19-year-old needs to do uh, driving around somewhere in Hertfordshire, but I did. And before I went, my dad, Nigel, the ever wise and mysterious man that he is, said, don't go for a drive without a reason. You never know what might happen. Two hours later, after I'd ignored his advice, I was calling him up, uh, saying that I'd clipped the curb and that my front wheels were in fact facing opposite directions to the ones that they left the house from. And lastly still, I promise the last one. Um, I remember when I went traveling in my early 20s with some friends um, and we were gallivanting uh, around a fantastic part of Canada. Uh, we were going on a hike and we came to this kind of valley, a, a ravine, where we, there was very, very little way of getting across. It was kind of a, a hundred meters down, very steep either side, except for this rickety, old, rotten, derelict, wooden bridge. Now, my heart was screaming to me saying, no, do not go, not a good idea, what would Nigel think? But then my friends decided that that would be the good thing to do. This was the only way across, and we are, of course, on an adventure. So I decided to go, I decided to go, and I instantly regretted my decision. About halfway through, going through this bridge, my foot went straight through one of these planks that was holding me up for 100 meters uh, below. Thankfully, as you can see, I'm still here today, um, so nothing truly bad went wrong. But those are three little insights into my inability to listen in life. But now that I've exposed my shortcomings, you might be wondering, why am I qualified or the best person to talk to you about the call to listen? 
But as I was reflecting on these stories, it, it struck me that listening is, in fact, a skill. It doesn't actually happen naturally on its own. Um, how many of you here are parents? Put your hands up if you're a parent. Okay, brilliant. Um, keep your hands up, actually, for me. Um, who out of you parents, uh, please put your hand down, rather, um, if your child has always done what you told them to do? I don't believe anyone here that just put their hands down. It worked much better in the 9.30. Basically, my point is that sometimes listening is just not natural sometimes. Um, it involves um, active uh, kind of belief in what's going on and who's saying uh, what is being said. Uh, why are they saying it? How are they saying it? Everything we hear, uh, we, we interpret, and in, in that way, uh, we, we describe that as listening. So in our passage, uh, we see uh, what it is that uh, Elijah is doing. He is also listening to God. Now, where we find ourselves is that um, Elijah has just finished, in, in the previous chapter, dispatching a whole host of prophets of Baal. So the, the people that were, um, were worshipping uh, the false god Baal. And in doing so, they humiliated that he humiliated them um, by showing Yahweh's power. And now, Elijah is in fact suffering because of it. See, earlier in this same chapter, uh, we see that Jezebel, the king's wife, is threatening Elijah's life because of what he's done to the false prophets of Baal. And because of it, he's in utter anguish. Depression has set in, and, the, and he is in despair about his circumstances, even to the point that he asks God to take his own life. He has seemingly uh, given up on the call to be the prophet for God's people, as it has become too hard a burden to bear. Now, the angel of the Lord uh, met with Elijah and fed him and sent him to Mount Horeb, the same mountain that we see Yahweh meet with Moses to give him the Ten Commandments. Here, Elijah expected to hear from God in a similar way to how he had experienced him in the previous chapter, through the power of nature, through God's power over creation. And yet, we see in verses 11, 12, and 13 that God's voice came through something far more unexpected. We see here, the great, then a great powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. Then after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. See, the, the wind was powerful and, and tore the mountains apart, but God's presence was not in the wind. There was a mighty earthquake, but he was not in the earthquake. And there was a fire, but he was not in the fire. See, these signs and wonders of God's great power and might were all but spectacles for Elijah. They were reminiscent of what God did with Moses, establishing his covenant with him whilst on the side of that same mountain. And yet these spectacles were not what brought Elijah here. And so he enjoy, endured this display that would surely scare or even destroy him. But he found the Lord's voice, not in the elemental fireworks, 
but instead in the calm, gentle whisper. So what do we see in this passage that tells us how we are called to listen? The the first thing I suggest this passage does is it says we are to bring our whole selves to God when we come to listen and when when we come to establish calling. See, Elijah is weak when we find him here in our passage. He is not strong. He's on the verge of giving it all up for he is convinced that it is too much. We may not have walked a mile in Eliza's shoes, but we can all know to some degree of the anguish of life and the heavy toll and the burdens of life itself. There are moments like that, especially when we feel God has asked something of us that we would much rather hide and run from God, for we believe that the lies that the enemy puts in us and say that, oh, God won't accept me because I am weak. If there's anything we can see from this passage, it is that God does not abandon Elijah. God accepts his cries in as much as he listens and he responds. For God does accept us even when we are at breaking point. But he does not leave us there. God calls us to a place of dependency and grace where only the living spirit within us can sustain us. When we talk of calling, we must present all of ourselves to God, not just the bits that we think are useful to him. We can come to God with our long list of conditions and limitations that we put on ourselves, and he will listen to us, and he will speak to us. However, he will call you out upon the waters nonetheless, and through faith you will walk. So that's the first thing, to, to, we are to bring our whole selves to God. Secondly, we are to escape to hear God. Jesus models to us what it meant to be with the Father. He's the most important person in all of history, and we really only have record of three years of his life over the span of his ministry, and even then, He still escapes the crowds, escapes the business, and went to spend time in prayer. Our lives have demand beyond count sometimes. And our time can be pulled in a variety of directions. But it is not always the use of our time that reflects what we think is valuable. We can struggle to seek God's voice because we don't make time to escape to him. Now, I'm not suggesting that we all go to Mount Horeb in order to hear God, but we must work out what that looks like in our lives, what our Mount Horeb looks like. See, much of my life, I heard God in the quiet of a Christian festival, something not always associated with being quiet, but it is the place that I took refuge to hear God's voice and seek the calling over my life. Likewise, designated places of prayer and prayer rooms and prayer events often served to aid my listening of God because they broke the mold of my life and allowed me to escape to him who can sustain me. Now, this might sound obvious or even unhelpful to you, which is fair. What works for me might be completely different to what might work for you. But the principle is the same. Just as Jesus escaped to be with God, just as Elijah secluded himself upon a mountain to meet with God, so do we find 
a place and time to escape to God and hear his call on our lives. We are to escape to hear God. And lastly, we are to hear him in the whisper. I think it's fair to say that sometimes in life we can desire to see mountains shake and winds howl as we physically experience God and his presence. When we are desperate for answers, when we want to see and hear God clearly, God has done so many amazing things. Why can't he show himself to me now? See, the Bible does speak to this. Much as God has done incredible things and continues to do incredible things, we know that uh, through Paul's writing in, in 2 Corinthians, we live by faith and not by sight. For our eyes and our ears can be corrupt and deceived. We can focus on purely what's in front of us and forget that it is God that has that sought out your heart. It is not your eyes, it is not your ears, but your heart that, that he desires. See, the reason that he desires your heart is because God is love. Love is stored up in one's heart, as the, as the Bible tells us. And 1 Corinthians 3, uh, 13 says, If I speak in tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am but a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and fathom all mysteries and all knowledge and have a faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. See, all these incredible things are always secondary to the love of God. And it is the love of God that is required of us when we turn to Christ and follow him. God is concerned with the, the dialogue with your heart not what you can see or what you can hear. Sometimes we need to ask ourselves, how much more does God need to do before you listen to the whisper? The reason I told you about the stories of my inability to listen at the beginning was to highlight that we are constantly learning what it is to listen, to, to really listen, to take something on board and, and let it seep into our core and transform us of, of, for what we do and, and who we are. And it is this, true, this is true of our relationship with God as well. We never stop learning to listen to him. There are always greater depths of intimacy to be found with God. There are always more of one's identity that we can find in Christ. We are never static in life. And so our listening will constantly be challenged Something we learn, sometimes we learn to listen by seeing what happens when we don't listen. Sometimes uh, something that we don't like to contend with as adults, we don't like to admit where we've gone wrong. When it comes to calling and listening to God's voice about what we ought to do and who we ought to be, as David put last week, it is of vital importance that we seek out God's voice and learn and learn again what it is to sit in his presence and listen to him. See, calling is a specifically challenging thing. It is so weighty and can have 
world-shaking ramifications. But we can also easily mix our desires into what we think God is calling us into. Instead, oh, sorry, there are very few times in the Bible where God has called someone because they fit the job description. Instead, calling is often aligned with God's empowerment, which only comes through obedience. The essence of, of calling is to follow. A call is something that requires a response. And the response, and in the response, in whatever you see it, is a form of following. Be careful not to make an idol out of calling. Now, I said this in the morning service, and it, and it, it bugged me. I feel like I didn't explain it. What I mean by that is, is calling is a good thing to strive for. We all must understand what God has called us into. Naturally, we have the, the general one to follow Christ and then the one that God puts on our, each of our hearts. But it can also be a hugely anxiety-ridden question to ask, what's your calling in life? Because for lots of us, we might not know the answer. So in our anxiety, in our our pressurized environment where we feel like we can't let God down. Let's, let's quickly formulate something. We can push this, the idea of what calling is and we can actually make it something that it's not. That's what I mean by don't make um, an idol out of calling. To, f- to follow one's calling is an act of obedience and it is therefore not something that we own in its entirety. The call to be or do anything will always be God's first. We cannot conjure up meaning for a call that we have created for ourselves, for we will always end up building our own kingdom and not God's. Therefore, when we do listen and do hear the call, we must walk humbly in obedience to God, not build ourselves up where God has placed us. See, Often when we think of calling, uh, we can think of kind of vocational jobs, which, which are all kind of venerated in our society. People feel called to be a nurse, be a teacher, be a doctor. But as Christians, we're not called simply to be a nurse or a teacher or a financial director or a pastor, preacher, vicar. We're called to be a Christian nurse who through the compassion and healing of Christ in their hearts is called to serve their neighbours in the same way by showing Christ's love and faithfulness to them in the hospital bed. We are called to be a Christian teacher who through the nurturing care of the Father and the renewal of the mind through the Spirit is now equipped to speak with authority about the nurturing of children and the innocent. We are called to be a Christian financial director who through understanding God's many blessings and abundance understands what resources are able to bring social restoration and healing to the most needy and vulnerable in our society. We are called to be a Christian pastor, preacher, vicar. For we have seen our high priests hung on a tree for our transgressions, only to show a power more powerful than death so that all may know and have life in all its fullness, now and forever. Now, I don't know each and every one of you here individually, or what you do in your day-to-day, or what God has called you to, 
But whatever it is, we, have first, we must first respond to the call to be followers of Christ before all else. See, if you think God has called you to do a job, then you must go. If you think your calling is yet to be revealed or understood, then be still and sit. For the God of the universe, who can crack lightning and rumble thunder, decide, uh, decides instead to speak to the hearts of men and women who he has chosen and called life, they're called of life, of love and obedience in him. It is your heart that will hear the voice of God, not your eyes or your ears. I'm going to ask us to bow our heads as we pray. And I'm going to ask you to respond by sitting in the silence. God is a God of mighty acts and mighty wonders, and yet he chooses to reveal himself in the whisper of his voice. Close your eyes or bow your heads or whatever you feel comfortable, but meet with God.
at the beginning of this service, um, beforehand we have a prayer meeting and <clears throat> someone said they felt God remind them that God is for everyone. That might be seemingly oversimplistic, but it is so true. And I feel like there might be people here that have listened to this and heard the scripture and say, Elijah was special. Of course God spoke to him. Why would he speak to me? I feel God's reminding us that it's not, it's not anything Elijah did that God didn't do through him that made him who he was. And that is true for everyone here. That who you are is made by what God has done through you and what he continues to do through you. So Father God, Holy Spirit, would you meet with us? Would you guide our paths as we understand what it is to be called by you? To serve you and your church. May we not be tempted by the busyness of life, but rather find you in the escape. We find you in the whisper. May you ignite our hearts with love for you.